Okay. This is just me. Okay. Episode eight. And we're rolling. So lucky us. <laughs> Good thing we started this. <laughs> we have an excellent episode ahead. I'm really excited about this one. We're doing a little retrospective on our relationships. Ooh. Ooh. We love talking about love, or I do at least. Very relevant to us, especially because Miss Dana finally got married finally tied the knot holy shit it finally happened after months of discussing this so before we dive into the episode let's you know check on each other how are you doing dana married dana ueda i'm a married woman oh my gosh i've had so many people ask me how does it feel now and it's it doesn't feel any different nothing's changed i mean there's the formality of it that's sort of weird and and that you forget, oh yeah, we're married, weird. Or, oh yeah, you're a wife now and you're a husband now. That's Do you guys strange. like look at each other weird when you realize that? Yeah, every, this morning <laughs> that exact thing happened. We were like, oh yeah, remember we're married, weird. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. But not much has changed other than, you know, I was really, really happy on the day and it was a magical celebration. It was so perfect and couldn't have asked for anything more. And coming out of it, I think I've, kind of had a bit of a perspective shift of just like you have a big life moment and it helps put everything in perspective of you know you know you're living your life this is what matters right Mm -hmm. now I think I was so caught up in work so caught up in just the day-to-day swirl before the wedding and I came out a little bit more at peace, a little bit more calm, really happy, and I kind of hold on that to that feeling. So yeah, I've been I've been sort of saying summing up how I've been feeling and I've just been doing a lot of perspective checks. I didn't want to go back to a dark place and be so busy and and nervous at the end of the year and so I've just been having these little perspective checks with myself. Yes, this is a stressful situation, but in mm-hmm. the scheme of things, it's okay. You're going to mm-hmm. get through it, right? And not letting my emotions get too extreme. Mm-hmm. I'm, in a good, I'm in a good place right now. I feel balanced. That's awesome. <laughs> I have to say, talking to you post-wedding, there is this lightness mm. to you. You still take things seriously, but I'm seeing a lot of acceptance of the mm. situation and just moving through it as opposed to letting it sit with you yes. and kind of take over your mental space, which is excellent. Yeah, exactly. I I love that. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, it is a lightness. And I I was thinking of it as I need to put distance between myself and work or distance between myself and these kind of intense moments or experiences that I'm having or emotions that come up. But it's actually not just separation, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And it's not just to be stepping back from it but it's yeah better boundaries I guess and and that and more balance which is which is really nice and a unlock in a little bit so it's good that's awesome (laughs) I'm so happy for you thank you how are you doing (laughs) post my wedding (laughs) Uh, yeah right oh my god your wedding was incredible it was so fun to go down to Austin and experience that for the first time 
I loved it. Nate loved it. He loved it almost a little too much and made me nervous. I thought he was going to stay there. Yeah, he's going to drag you down there at some point. I know. (laughs) He was ready to move. Yeah. But things are okay. I'm not exactly in the same place as you are right now. If I could turn into a puddle, maybe I would Mm. a little bit. And my feelings aren't balanced right now. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling things a little bit in extremes, but we talk about this all the time, allowing yourself to feel it and understand it first in order to work through it. So I'm just there right now. And when I'm ready, I'll be able to take the next steps to work through it. So that's just kind of where I'm at. Um, Not to, you know, take away from... No. The, the happiness that you were just explaining. But I'm also excited to be doing this episode and, and recording with you after a few weeks of a break. I'm just happy that I have this. I have my friends. I have you. I have my Italian classes. <laughs> Shout out to my Italian teacher yeah. who I love. And a bunch of other things going on in my life that I can focus on when things aren't going great in other places. Yeah. So always feeling kind of the gratitude is the silver lining when things aren't working out as much. Yeah, um, and I and I think that is so it, that shows strength to be able to say I'm fragile right now, right, and acknowledge that and sort of be in it, but know that you know you're aware of it and you can start to work through it. And also, I think thanks for showing up to this, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yes, this is a hobby that is sort of a new dedicated time, but just the act of doing something like this and stepping out of your day to day is going to help you know, feedback into your, how you work through your anxiety, et cetera, because you've shown yourself, you're willing to show up for something, you're willing to do something, even, you know, though you're feeling this way, even though it feels uncomfortable or fragile. And that's all that matters. She's trying. <laughs> but anyway, I, as I said, I'm, I'm very happy that I'm doing this today. And one of my favorite things to talk about <laughs> is love (laughs) and relationships exes oh i love talking about exes this one's for you kind of so yeah this is the segue i think into our episode we want to do a retrospective on our romantic relationships it'll be fun to hear about your past relationships talk about mine understand how they're different things we learned from it you know, all of that kind of stuff so ready to hop in after the break yeah let's do it all right we'll talk more then we are back this is going to be juicy. All right. All right. Let's do it. Dana, why don't you tell me and our listeners a bit more about your dating history over the past however many years? Yeah, sure. I think my dating history, because I've been in a really long-term relationship, so while my dating history is limited a little bit, I think there's some interesting nuance in having been in such a long-term relationship that maybe I can illuminate for people but yeah I had a pretty serious high school boyfriend that's the start of it I guess learned a lot from that as a formative relationship and also a lot about myself and making mistakes and hurting Mm -hmm. people and how people change especially at that pivotal critical moment where you're 
leaving the nest, right? And going into the world for the first time. So that was very formative. And then I had, you know, a few little relationships or crushes, loves here and there throughout college and before I met Will and then decided to settle down for the rest of my life. But mainly, you know, one or two serious relationships in there before Will that sort of put me in different relationships with different people from different places that I never met. You know, college is when you get to meet people from totally different states, totally different upbringings, etc. especially when you go away from home for college, which I did. So a few relationships here and there that kind of taught me about heartbreak, taught me about respecting other people and accepting their differences from me and then I met Will and really the meat of my relationship history is the over a decade that we've spent together and it's more about how my relationship with Will has evolved and grown and how many different chapters and phases we've been through together of our own identities of our mutual identity as a couple and our lifestyles together so that's kind of my dating history in a nutshell if you will and I'm probably going to spend the majority of my time today talking more about how Will and I have gone through so many different iterations of our relationship than necessarily the my repertoire of relationships (laughs) if you will because it is lacking to be very (laughs) transparent and I have feelings about that too right about what I could have been or what I didn't explore that I'd love to talk about more as as well but that's my dating history I think I would love to hear about your (laughs) dating history I've heard a little bit but I think you know we this is the magic of our conversations is that you know I'm coming from a very you know, limited respective in this regard, but in a different, but, you know, expansive in a different way. And I'd love to hear about how you kind of break it down. Yeah, for sure. I Well, I have so many questions still, <laughs> but you might be in one long ass term relationship, but I have so many questions about it. But anyway, I guess starting from the, from the jump of it all, you know, my family was fairly conservative in the scheme of dating. So in high school, wasn't necessarily allowed to be focused on dating. It's just something my family wasn't comfortable with. We're a family of all women. I I don't know if we genuinely knew how to deal with male presence coming into the fold. I think there's things to unpack there. But that being said, of course, being in high school, you that's when you start to want some type of relationship. And so that was something I was looking for, you know, kind of had relationship light (laughs) situations where there were firsts and things like that things really changed for me I think junior senior year freshman year of college just superficially I mean those four years were super flingy (laughs) to say the least and I have no regrets at the time it was hard all I ever wanted was love I loved the idea of getting into a relationship but I think people at my school that's not what they were looking for whatsoever. They were looking more to hook up and experiment and play versus commit. Yeah. And and looking back, I get I get that now that a very small percentage find their people like you did. But it was a very emotionally volatile time for me mm-hmm. where I thought I was going to be in a relationship or I thought I was going to find love and then over and over and over again that wasn't working out whether it was my doing or 
they're doing. Either way, it's it's kind of heartbreaking because you're just going in with so much hope and expectation and then it's not working out and that's, that's a fucking bummer. So that was kind of college in a nutshell. I had my first heartbreak there and it was kind of the first time I ever felt this potential and of, of love mm. for someone seeing me for who I really, really was. And when that didn't work out, that was so heartbreaking for me. So definitely will come up in our conversation later, but that was a very transformative experience for me. And then after college, I was in a serious relationship for about two, three years. Looking back, not thrilled with how that relationship was, but I think that showed me initial chemistry doesn't equal compatibility, mm. which is fucking crucial in a serious yeah. relationship. So there was a lot to learn there. And then after that, I found Nate at work. And we have been together for about seven, eight years at this point. And similar to you, being aware of the changing shapes mm -hmm. of your relationship over the years, it, it's been really interesting to watch and experience. And we're super aware of that. I think when me and Nate first started dating, I... I had realized from my past relationship, hey, I'm an ever-changing person. Mm -hmm. I hope we accept each other as we change and as we grow. Yeah, you brought up something really interesting that I think is an interesting place to start of you always were looking for love. And I feel similar. I was a rom-com kid and mm -hmm. grew up indoctrinated to the idea that I'm going to find the one and love is everything and it's going to be magical. But yeah, I guess what changed about what was the difference between what you thought love was or what you thought love should be growing up and what you were looking for versus kind of what you discovered and what you the love you actually found? Is there a difference? Did your definition of what love should be change over time throughout your relationship history? Oh my God, so fucking <laughs> much. I would say up until I found Nate, I thought... To be loved was also to be all-consuming. All right. Uh, almost obsessive. So passionate mm -hmm. all the time. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And so now thinking about it, that is a lot to put on someone else. But I just wanted to feel important mm -hmm. to someone. Mm -hmm. I thought that's what love was. Yeah. And then going to Nate, you realize you are just accepted as your own person and you're yeah. loved for being who you are individually. Mm -hmm. Nate will love me even if we're not together and wants me to go after my happiness. It's about cheering that person on constantly for being who they are and wanting the best for them. Yeah, that's a really interesting shift is what you're saying is at first it was love was so tied in with validation. Yes. almost external you're worthy you're important I loved how you said that and growing up you know I think it's it's that is probably true for a lot of people's definition of what they think love should be but that shift from love as validation to love as acceptance mm. is really really powerful yes like, and yeah as you were talking about your definition of love 
earlier on in your relationship history, it is so much about what other people thought of you or this person thought of you versus when you're talking about your relationship with Nate and that difference is about you're coming through, your personality is coming through, your truth is being accepted and acknowledged and championed by someone. He wants me to have self-worth. Yeah. Like, and for me to validate myself. Mm -hmm. He's, you don't need me. Yeah. And he wants that for me. Yeah, that's really interesting, that shift from validation to true acceptance. That's what love is about. That That's awesome. That's cool. Does that story resonate with you? Mm-hmm. And did that happen over the course of yours and Will's relationship? Or did that happen over all of your relationships? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it happened a little bit. It was starting to happen through my earlier on relationships. And then I, I really did the work with Will. Of, yeah, I thought, I thought love had to be intense emotional, raw, passionate, as you're kind of saying, all the time. I thought it had to be sparks and fire and visceral all the time to really be worth it. And I got myself in a lot of relationships where I was so deeply invested and so emotional and so passionate about the other person or about our relationship that it was very overwhelming. My emotions were very overwhelming when it came to my relationships. And I thought that was that meant that it was right. And sometimes it got toxic or sometimes I got too attached or I was too emotionally involved and engaged that it hurt me, right? And it caused a lot of pain. And I thought that was what love was too. I thought it was a little bit of like, you just gotta push through it. They may not be nice to you all the time. It's gonna hurt. And I took pride in that. I thought it was, yeah, this is- You're doing like this virtuous thing for love. Yes, Yeah. yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it if it's, you know, hard and so raw and painful and emotional and deep because I thought that was right. And then I met Will and love was just, it was so easy. Mm -hmm. It was so fun. And I just liked being around him and he made me laugh and he didn't take anything too seriously and he changed he changed this sort of turned my world upside down because all the rules I had all the ideas of what you should and shouldn't do were just thrown out the window he was no let's let's play let's explore he brought me out of my shell a little bit and I thought is this love can this be love where it's sort of easy and fun and light and also you feel like friends yeah and we we were yeah exactly we were more friends versus just jumping into the deep end of we're so emotionally tied together we're meant to be together I think I had probably been in relationships with narcissists and people who were you know emotionally damaging or I was even you know emotionally Mm. damaging to people just being too we need to be so deeply invested in each other and with well it was just a totally different vibe and it was quiet it wasn't Mm. this sparks every day like Mm. magic every day especially as we got you know three or four years in it was it got boring right Mm -hmm. it got simple it was very a quiet love that just sort of you know it was comfortable and Mm -hmm. I think that scared me too because Mm -hmm. I thought like this has to be hard this has to be a roller coaster of emotions and right now we're just sitting with each other fucking crickets yeah it's (laughs) great it's crickets it's boring as hell am I being complacent should I look for someone more interesting are we not you know as interesting for each other as we could be right and I went through that phase for sure but yeah I think I started to realize throughout our relationship that you know they say you choose to love someone every day you wake up and you choose them and it 
was kind of that. And I think it's to your point, acceptance. This is our life and love is not sparks and fireworks all the time. It's also, it's also not, you know, boring all the time but there's nuance and it's ups and downs and you just have to sort of go with that and embrace that and right. it's, it's not this heightened sense all the time and accepting that was hard but I also feel it gave us so much it opened up our relationship to all the ways that we're there for each other we love each other we see each other we can be boring and quiet and we can be loud and crazy all at the same time we can really have those big moments of love and exchange of respect and joy and at the same time also just be yeah we're we're passing ships we're working it out we've got our own stuff going on and that's okay so I think the nuance of love came out where I thought it was on note you know yeah and just going back to what you're saying three or four years in it's kind of quiet and you're questioning yourself and questioning your relationship that is hard too yeah But what's wonderful when you're with someone who provides you safety and security, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel a big deal. Right. That is actually something to really work through. But I don't have to be balls to the wall, crying, upset. No, you worked through it in in this environment that was maybe actually productive for you so that you could move forward. Yeah. Versus we break up and this is over. And that's the beauty of a safe relationship too. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that's also a a factor of time, right? In past relationships, it was always so dire and so intense because it was, I'm going to lose you. Right. Right. Or I'm going to walk away and there's a make or break Mm -hmm. versus I think, yeah, as we got so deep into our relationship, that veil almost lifted it wasn't about is it make or break are we gonna break up that Mm -hmm. was not the ever the decision that we were making it was more how we're going how are we going to get through this yes how is how are the people that we are right now going to meet each other halfway and so it it almost that question goes away are we gonna break up right that is the last resort doesn't even come into the equation anymore not that that's the shift I think of my definition of love before was how is this gonna define my life and define me and you know and now it's it's sort of well what are we figuring out together I think we can both say coming out the other end it's it's the support of the individual is there and the support mm-hmm. as a team is there. And it's it's you living as I or me, but also we at the right times. Yeah, that was something I wanted to dig in a little bit into. One of the questions that I constantly asked myself during, especially during the early years of our relationship and kind of still do, is can you be yourself and be with someone else at the same time effectively? I was always struggling with, how much of my identity and how myself is just being consumed by this relationship mm-hmm. and I'm just a part of a couple and mm-hmm. we're we're it and separating my own identity from that. I, I felt so many times, in our, especially early in our relationship, that I was losing my sense of self because I was so tied up in being his girlfriend. And that's where you get into trouble is if you are just focused on the relationship, you're so sort of obsessive and passionate about the coupledom, you forget to nurture yourself and to keep doing your interests and the things that make you you. And that's where, you know, you can get into an unhealthy relationship where you have sacrificed yourself or your needs or your dreams for someone else. And I think I was always 
questioning that because I never, I was afraid of that. I was afraid of saying, looking up and realizing that I had given up a dream or given up a hope or aspiration that I wanted to be with Will. And something I'm still working through in different respects, but I I don't know if you've ever felt, questioned that as well, finding yourself at the same time as finding someone else to be with. Yes, I want to talk about this a little bit more and see if you've had the same experience. So I realized this maybe year four or five. I was like, oh my God, I need to stop living 90% as a unit with Mm -hmm. Nade. And I was really scared to do that because I was afraid of what other people were going to think. Mm. I was worried that people were going to think something was really wrong and that we were slowly decoupling Mm. or something like that. And I was so worried about how people were going to see me and Nate that it made our relationship feel a bit performative Mm. for a while. I was still going to things with him that I didn't want to go to. Or bringing him along to things where I was like, I really just want to hang out with my friend by myself. But I was so afraid of what other people were going to think. And then I was like, ew, this is an icky feeling that I'm performing my relationship for other people who were so invested in us. Mm-hmm. Can you relate? Does it does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, people were, yeah, especially when people are cheering you on and love both of you and you almost, it's almost like people see you as better together. Yeah. <laughs> and that is awesome. And and that's how it feels internally too, or it should feel. Mm-hmm. Um, people get obsessed with that and they assume you're going to be together all the time. And I think, yeah, especially when you're, when you're young and you've decided to commit to someone, right, that can be all encompassing. But I think taking the space and the time to continue to have your own identities and your own separate worlds is really important but yeah I totally get how people don't understand that it's that your it's almost like people assume your worlds just combine and it's like no our worlds are separate they have to be separate to a certain extent for you to continue to find who you are because mm-hmm. you're not it's not like you figured everything out about yourself right mm-hmm. your interests what you want to experiment with what's going to make you feel full and that's not all tied to one person and we've talked about this through the monogamy episode etc but shameless plug but <laughs> uh, but yeah you're you're not you're not everything is going to come from that one person and I think people have trouble accepting that it means you need to have more diverse friends you should be able to have friends that are of the opposite sex that are not your boyfriend you know or whatever right we've talked about that a lot but I I totally relate and I feel that's that's super healthy Will and I are too codependent I I felt myself my world getting smaller because I was so intensely devoted to our our relationship and we just spent all of our time together so I felt my world getting smaller I didn't feel as much of the internal judgment I think but I realized that I needed to change my behavior I couldn't just rely on him to be my my comfort my you know security blanket all the time that I needed to go out in the world and have my own relationships have my own friends have my own time with other people or doing whatever I wanted to do during the day but I I think I struggled more with how do I leave the nest how do I leave our little world and carve out my own yeah I I was just too attached I wanted to be with him all the time and it made it feel oh if I wanted to go do something have a me day 
I w- it would be better if he was there. Right, right. <laughs> so what was him. the signal for you that something needed to change if it wasn't externally? Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I think... I think the thing, it was actually, it was externally driven, I guess, in that Will has a lot of hobbies. He's an extreme hobbyist. Mm -hmm. Woodworks, he does all the stuff outside of work that really fulfills him and makes him happy, and he wasn't around anymore. I was forced to sit with myself and be like, wow, you don't have anything to do unless he's here. You don't have any plans that you feel are worth it, worth doing, unless they're with him. And you need to change that because you're obviously not, fulfilling yourself and your own needs you're kind of ignoring them to focus on what you guys do together what you guys can spend the day doing and that really shook me out of my where I was realizing that he was going to the woodworking studio for four hours on a Saturday or a Sunday and I was sitting there twiddling my thumbs until he got back Mm -hmm. I need to go find my own things to Mm -hmm. occupy me whether that's hanging out with other people seeing my friends and making more time for them in my life or getting my own hobby getting Mm -hmm. my own interests or getting back to things that I did that fulfilled me outside of our partnership Mm -hmm. but that was the big trigger for me realizing oh I do need to start to carve out a space for myself away from our relationship Mm -hmm. because Will's doing it Mm -hmm. and I'm not and I still struggle with that I Okay, so I'm pretty convinced that men don't get right a lot of things in life, (laughs) and women really show the way in so many ways. One thing that I think men really get right is they find hobbies, they find friends, and they do not quit it. Mm. For better or worse, as annoying as it fucking might be, (laughs) I know a lot of men who are are extreme hobbyists or play in a band, and they are so dedicated to that or their friend group, and that's where they find their fulfillment. And yeah, the relationship is icing on the cake, and it's not everything to them. Where I think women so easily can give up everything just to be in the relationship, yep. and we have to refind ourselves. That's one thing I think men really get right. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that's not talked about enough. We are so trained to give, 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 and put ourselves second. Patriarchy. Uh, <laughs> short answer, the patriarchy. At its finest. But we, I think women are naturally trained that way or wired that way. And it's, there is, I, I, yeah, it sounds like we're, we've both had that moment of a trigger in the relationship where we realize, oh, I have to rediscover myself. I need to get back in touch with me. I need to start putting myself first too, instead of just the partnership. Whereas, yeah, men have a bit less of an attachment to the idea of the partnership and what they give. And yeah, that's very, very interesting. And that, yeah, that that phase of rediscovery is so hard. And typically more women are probably experiencing that. And damn, (laughs) why do we, we let, we are more susceptible to losing ourselves in the relationship. Absolutely. That that sucks. But also it takes a lot of strength to recognize that. And it's really cool for, I love the idea of women in maybe long-term committed relationships having the ability to rediscover themselves and and connect back yeah. with themselves again. I hope I hope we're doing that. <laughs> I think also that's why women get so excited sometimes when you see other women or friends getting divorced. 
a little bit. You realize they put the man, they put the man's family, they put their own family before them. And this is a new journey of self-discovery when you can shed some of those layers that have caused you to deprioritize yourself. And you're going to go discover some things that you fucking to do and you get to live your fucking life. So we love kind of stories (laughs) that, aka Giselle Bunchen, divorcing Tom Brady. It is so apparent that she has put her family first for fucking years while he's gotten to do his one true love, which is football. So we're excited to kind of see where that journey takes her things things that I think you can find yourself and be with someone else I think you can do it through your relationship too Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you have to go off on your own I think I struggled with that a lot there was a point in our relationship where I thought I need to leave the relationship Mm -hmm. and break up even though I still love this person Mm -hmm. because I need to prioritize myself it got to that point where it was like I need to do something drastic yeah to rediscover myself and it took a lot of work for me to realize that I don't have to blow up my life in order to refine myself I can still be who I want to be and create my own identity and nurture Dana as much as I can be in this relationship and I think that's a hard realization to have sometimes it does take divorce or it does take a breakup but if you're in a healthy relationship and you can work through it together I do think I want to give someone out there who was like me questioning a little bit of hope. Yeah. Yeah, it is possible to be with the person you love and find ways to be yourself too and still go on that journey of exploration without having to hook up with everybody or break up up for good. Absolutely. 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 So, and then, yeah, sometimes it's your. The habit of how you're living day to day is so ingrained in you that sometimes you're like, you know, you just do have to cut the cord. It's, yeah. But I, and also it's can the man you're with or woman, you, you guys know what I mean. But in our situations, can, can the man that I'm with handle this evolution? Mm-hmm. Is he confident enough in himself yeah. that he is going to support my evolution? And some men are not. <laughs> they're just not I I don't think my ex could have handled that right. he was not comfortable with change he had no desire to be in the city to begin with and I was this is going to be a very limiting experience mm. if we continue where Nate has always been so confident in himself and we've always said I'm good with you and I'll be okay without you mm. and that kind of confidence allows us to continue to grow yeah so I love that yeah, Very so it can well totally work both ways. Well, man, we just went through like so many different points. But I, I want to bring up something a little bit different. I want to talk about heartbreak. Mm. I love this. I live in the valley of heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> I think about this shit all the time. It's fun for me. It's weird. Anyway, Dana, I have to ask, what was your first heartbreak? Is the first cut the deepest? Let's go there. What do you I think? I think I was actually breaking a lot of hearts. Oh, shit. Uh, early on. Okay. Yeah. I, I believe I, this. <laughs> I believe this. I, I didn't want to fully commit to anything. And so I was performing domestic relationships for a long time. And like, especially in high school, I just, I thought I had this vision of, all right, 
I want to be in a relationship, but I didn't really know what it took. And so I was performing a lot of deep relationships, but then just leaving them, just <sighs> leaving them in the dust. And I, I really hurt my high school boyfriend. That's a, that's a good example of heartbreak that I didn't experience where I really jerked him around and I told him we were going to be together forever. And I broke his heart deeply. I broke him. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for him. I'm sure he's fine and living his life, but I, I definitely look back on that with regret and I feel really bad about how I treated him I was not very respectful or kind but it was because I was just in too individualistic and I I had this idea of what I wanted our relationship to be and I didn't respect it and I didn't care for it I loved the idea more than the person Ooh. and and so when that idea took another form in another Damn. person or oh my, my eyes wandered, I could just hold on to the idea and let the person go. And so I broke yeah. a lot of hearts, I think, in, in high school. Or I, I left a little bit of a... Uh, uh, yeah, I definitely broke people's hearts in high school. And it was rude. <laughs> but in high school, it doesn't matter. You know, it's fine now but that it I look does. at it silly. But I, I, mean, I, I, recognize, I yeah. recognize my own behavior and I recognize that it hurt people and that sucks. But my, my first heartbreak was in – or actually was leading up to college, I guess. It was actually, I guess it was still in high school. I – I basically left my high school boyfriend for this other guy. And he was just a fresh breath of air, of air for me. He wasn't from Texas. I met him at this summer college thing we did at Stanford. And he was from New York. He's from Long Island. Oh, and God. He was so... <laughs> these Long Island boys is killing us. He was so different for me. Our lives were so different. And we just had a really fun summer and we tried to keep it going and we did long distance for a while and I just really fell for him and I couldn't even explain why it was just it was just a feeling and I was really really attached and I had a really great time being with him and he didn't love me and he mm. didn't want to be with me and it wasn't the it wasn't the end of the world it wasn't a really nasty breakup or anything it was just we were long distance it I would have done anything to keep it going probably foolishly yeah because I just got so attached and he kind of was the more realistic practical person of this doesn't make sense for us to keep doing it <laughs> we live in completely different states we're going to different colleges it just doesn't make sense and it really hurt and that was my first brush with real heartbreak and I remember feeling wow I probably did this to all these people <laughs> before and I didn't even know how painful it was so now that I look back on it it's easy to sort of talk about but in the moment I think it was so I felt so attached to him but also that summer I think too it was more a, it was a contextual thing it was we had had such a beautiful summer away from our families in this you know contained environment and I was just so attached to that idea and that memory and that that experience mm -hmm. that it, by the time we broke up it was less about him I guess and it was more about that point in our lives that experience we had together and it, the the breakup was more about that ending that coming yeah. to a crashing halt reality check you're not in that experience anymore it's over yeah you'll never have that again and i think that's where the heartbreak really came from of losing him sure but losing that 
that closing the door on that experience because it was fully over. I had no more ties to that that summer that we had together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that was my first heartbreak, I guess. What was your biggest learn? It sounds like there's a few learnings that mm. came out of it of this realization of oh my god, I did this to other people. So uh, taking responsibility for how you act towards people because now you were on the receiving end. Exactly. That sounds perspective one. of like, yeah, actually, you know, you really have the power to hurt people. Yeah, and it doesn't feel good. And recognizing that that I acted in in ways that I don't align with and that I wish I had been more thoughtful and more caring and compassionate with people's feelings. So yeah, that was a big learning. And then yeah, I think the other big learning of just, I think you said it really interestingly of chemistry doesn't equal compatibility Mm -hmm. earlier. I think that was a moment of I was so attached to this idea of us and our experience we shared but it didn't mean that we were compatible people mm-hmm. that we were going to that our relationship was actually foolproof and that it made sense and that it we actually had a bond i think that relationship helped me parse out the difference between a real relationship and partnership and loving the other person for who they truly are versus again that idea and then i think also just being smarter and not being so dumb. letting emotion just completely blind me yeah. there were so many signs that this guy wasn't the guy yeah. and i just overlooked all of them and i think it made me grow up a bit in that respect and mm. realize oh you need to start actually interrogating the relationships you have and your behaviors and you can be a little bit smarter next time with who you're dating you Mm -hmm. know so those were the learnings Mm -hmm. I guess what about you what is your first heartbreak or or the deepest heartbreak doesn't even have to be the first oh my god okay yeah so the guy that I was on and off with in college was was the first person where I was, you're smart and you care about social issues and you read books and you listen to Bob Dylan and someone who was just a little bit more on my level and it wasn't just go, 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 party, 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 frat, 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 sports, sports, sports. And so I felt compatible. It was the first compatible relationship that I had had. And it was the first time, you know, I was going more in depth learning about his family dynamics Mm. and what I was at home for. And so I was really falling in love with the potential Mm. of the relationship and the compatibility aspect, which I think is healthy and it's right. I think what did happen was not healthy in that he ended things. I think we really liked each other but I was going 100 miles an hour and I wanted to go further and I wanted to go faster every week and he was just not there. And I I think that just kind of turned him off and he he didn't want to do it. And so when he ended things with me, it was devastating. (laughs) It was so bad. I feel like, had you known me in college, you'd be a bitch. What the fuck are you doing? My friends were so generous at the time. And also he had established a relationship with them too, which, and they really liked him, which was so hard. So I just completely fell apart. I couldn't get out of bed. And it was so bad to the point I was drinking in a really bad way. It wasn't, oh, I was drinking every day, but it was on the weekends. I was getting blackout fucking drunk where I had to be carried home. Mm -hmm. People were nervous for me to go to sleep. I was blackout texting being, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. because 
I just didn't want to have free time without him. Yeah, just hiding the pain. Yeah, trying. And then, you know, and that's very hard because when you go to a small college, you also bump into the motherfucker. (laughs) So having to be blackout drunk and also give him the silent treatment because you just can't handle it. Like, it was just complete commotion. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he cropped his way back into my wife. Um, And, you know, I thought those gestures of him showing up at two in the morning and just sleeping on my couch or whatever until I got out of my bedroom. I thought that was a grand gesture. And I was, oh, he really wants me back and blah, blah, blah. And it was just confusing when we would try Mm. and get back together. So he kind of broke my heart twice. Yeah, jerked you around a little bit too. Kept you emotionally attached to him. So really, really hard to deal with. Yeah, because I masked so much of it in college, the interesting story for me is that 10 years fucking later, I found out he was engaged and about to be married and it riled up all of these insane fucking feelings in me. And I couldn't stop thinking about what had gone wrong. We didn't talk about it. Did he know how transformative this was for me? Because what I learned coming out of that relationship is that if I could survive that heartbreak, I can survive anything. And so it made me feel really powerful in my other relationships. And so I was grateful, but I was also resentful of myself, of him, of all this stuff. And Nate was so gracious during this period because this was only two years ago, maybe. Nate was so fucking gracious because I was working through this. I almost had to break back open my heart and be like, what the fuck was that? Because I had not experienced anything so intense as that breakup. It's so weird how those feelings can sort of lie dormant for so long and then they're just triggered and all of a sudden you realize you have been sitting on those feelings and they've been you've been wrestling with them in the background that's so crazy so so weird i was shocked (laughs) she was shook i was so shook but this riled up so much in me that after a lot of consideration i reached out to him and this guy was so gracious it which i was like god damn it i knew i loved you for a reason damn you're as good as i remember you Mm. in a way Yeah, he wasn't perfect and he was an asshole in parts. But from a moral and a value standpoint, the fact that he answered my message, we figured out a time to catch up. You know, I gave him a little bit of background of what was happening and he still chose to get on the phone with me. And we talked for hours one night and Nate gave me the space to do that. I think we just kind of wanted to have a moment for ourselves and talk about ourselves and, and catch up and whatever. And the last 20 minutes, it was, so why are we here? And of course, that's when it gets really emotional. But, you know, I just said, hey, I just, I wanted to check in. The relationship that we had, whatever that might mean to you, was very important to me. You did break my heart, you fucking fuck. But I wanted to check in and just, and also let you know that. And if you need anything, just let me know. This person is a part of me because of what a huge lesson I learned from it. And also I like him as a person Mm -hmm. and does love ever really die? Mm -hmm. You know, is that, is there a part in my heart for him? I think so, which means like I want the best for him. And that for him might seem absolutely batshit fucking crazy. I do not know how he feels about that, but he was gracious and responsive and we closed the conversation, but it was very helpful and 
I have no regrets. And we haven't talked since, but I have no regrets. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, talking to your ex in general is taboo, right? And Especially when you're in another relationship. Yeah, especially when you're in a committed relationship, when it comes out out of the blue. So I think that's really interesting that you were able to do that and you said I needed to do this. Do you think it was about closure or something different than that? Yeah. People have asked me, have I gotten closure? And these days I'm not really about closure, Mm. actually. That's finite, you know? And as we just discovered, things can lie dormant and you have to open Mm -hmm. the door. But if anything, I realize nothing is ever really over. And that is comforting and disturbing at the same time. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, who... It, it goes back a little bit to what the binary we were talking about monogamy is you have to end a relationship to start a relationship you have to have closure from your other relationship in order to be healthy and operating functionally in your new relationship and it's actually maybe it's not as clean cut as that and who says that everybody says oh closure clo- you need closure from your relationship but like, maybe you don't right <laughs> or maybe it's not closure I like that point of that you don't have to have completely cut ties with that person or feel like it's done it's complete it's over with that person to be in your next relationship or to be present with me and then yeah. you, you can almost keep learning from and sort of looking fondly at and and expressing your gratitude and your understanding and kind of extending care and compassion to everyone who's been through your life and everyone in your relationship history no matter where you're at currently and it doesn't negate the love that you have for Nate or your current relationship but instead maybe is just giving you something different yeah that's that's really interesting I I never you think about especially when we started this it was relationship histories okay this person then this person then this person then this person it's in an order right that first one started and then it stopped and the second one started and then it stopped and it's not as clean cut as that and I feel like um, your story is making me think of just oh I'm kind of just looking back at the people that I've been with and looking on them fondly and it was weird and rough and strange but if I ever saw those people on the street again it wouldn't be the worst thing you know you could, you could choose to ignore you could choose to whatever yeah. but it's like that to me when you can look back almost objectively at your relationships mm-hmm. and be like, this was good this was bad that to me sounds more a person who was healed yeah but healing mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily equal closure and closure doesn't necessarily lead to healing Ooh. you know snaps, Ooh, snaps that the is so true Oh, I love. I kind of want to ask a radical question. What do you wish you had done differently in regards to relationships, if anything, or anything that you feel you left on the table? I mean, not that our lives are over now and you you never have another relationship again, but looking back, is there anything you wish you had done differently or other things you had explored? Yeah, I think the it's two things that are connected it's one i wish i had learned earlier not to give so much of myself to the relationship yeah second that for sure which also leads to putting my relationship over my friends Mm. whether i was on the quest for love in college i did some fucked up shit that probably hurt my friends in some ways whether it was choosing a guy over them at times going after a guy that they Mm. liked like oh, we've shitty, all done it shitty things we've all and done it looking back i'm like oh god you're an ass so that 
in a nutshell, choosing choosing men over yourself and over your friends, Ooh. it's just not good. You're giving away so much of your wonderful, precious time. What about you? I wish I had just dated more people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a girl should have had a hotation. <laughs> a hotation really is so good. Yeah, I wish, yeah. I mean, I wish I had experimented and explored more. I had more bodies. Had a hotel. Get that body count up, you know, and, and not not because <laughs> not, of the sex. Not, not just because of the sex, but not just the, the sex, but yeah, just experimented with meeting different types of people and exploring more surface level or even just you know fun different types of relationships. I never, I was always, as you can tell, a serial monogamist. Mm-hmm. And when I started something with someone, it was a journey. It was not just <laughs> dipping my toe in or seeing how this goes. We're it going was deep like, diving. It was, we are going to be a thing now yeah. and let's see where we go. And I wish I had been a little bit more open to a fling here and there, you know, meeting someone and deciding to go on a few dates with them and see how that plays out or been able to have, I, I always think it's fun to have your little relationship history of I dated a cowboy and I dated a guy from, <laughs> you know, who's a musician and then I dabbled in this, you know, and I, I just didn't do a lot of dabbling. So I, I wish that I had had that because I think it would have been not only interesting and fun to be able to meet those people and experience that different types and diversity of people and experiences and perspectives, but I think it would have changed me a bit more. And if, if I have a daughter or a son, I'm, I'm going to encourage them to dabble a little bit more and not get, you know, too caught up in one relationship or another and let themselves be a little bit more open and fluid to the different shapes of relationships you can have. Wow, what a <laughs> retrospective into all of our relationships, the things we've learned, some really powerful learnings, I think, about, you know, being yourself, but being with someone else and how to navigate that, you know, heartbreak and how it sucks, but you know, the relationships that you've been in and the things that you learn through those experiences can continue to stick with you and make you who you are. And even, you know, it's okay to dive into them again and figure out why these feelings are continuing to be with you. And yeah, I think ultimately that shift from love as validation to love as acceptance and really being about Mm. helping individuals coming together to be their best selves and to champion each other. So much great stuff I think we covered in this retrospective. So thanks for sharing with oh God, me and digging you. into a little bit of your history. And <laughs> I'll be here all day. And yeah, so we're going to take a break. And after the break, we'll do our classic, is it just me or pop off? Let's do it. Okay, we're back. It's pop off time. All right, Dana, you are going to go first. On All right. Are, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Let me set up the clock here. Um, do you need a generous 60 seconds? What do you think? No, I think I can cover it in 60. She's in a, got in it. A, in a regular 60. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but I, I do love the idea of a generous All 60. Right. Well, we'll be flexible for you. <laughs> All right. Ready? Your time starts now. Is it just me or do we need to retire the interview question? So what do you do outside of work? Because it's loaded. 
and it's lazy. Seriously, it it places (laughs) this moral complex on, are you an interesting person? If you don't do something cool outside of work, then you're not worthy. And it's, you know what? I work and then I'm tired and then I decompress from work. I watch TV. I sit on the couch. I relax. I try to not let work bleed into the rest of my life. That's what I'm trying to do, okay? And it's not interesting and it's not fun, but that doesn't define me. And so I think we need to retire it because and find a better question because basically what you're asking is, are you interesting? Do you have something interesting to say about yourself? And there are so many other better, more strategic ways to get at that than asking, what is it that you do outside of work? I eat, I breathe, I survive, I live, I sleep. That's it. So let's find a better question because we're, and then we'll get better answers. Boom. 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 (laughs) Sometimes you work outside of work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. that? I moonlight as a, as a person who works. That's it sometimes because, you know, capitalism. I get groceries. I do really mundane shit that I have to do. I clean up my house. Yeah, like leave me alone. Ask me something meaningful. You know, what's what's something that you're obsessed with right now, right? Mm. That'll help get at a really interesting thing about this person that you might not uncover with just what do you do outside of work, you know? And then it requires you to have hobbies. Fuck that, man. I don't have a hobby. Or like what's your side hustle? Yeah, exactly. That's that's no. what it, the question no. actually is underneath the surface is, do you have a side hustle? And if you don't, you're boring and you've answered the question incorrectly. And it's, no, I don't have a side hustle. This is my side hustle. Venting. <laughs> Living. Doing this fucking podcast. Yeah. At least you could say that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> you, you gotta have some interesting point. Anyway. All right. Are you ready for your papa? Yes, I am. All okay. right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, do you need a generous 60 seconds? I don't know. I think we have to find out as we go. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. And your time starts now. Okay, so this is a double whammy. My pop-off is, is it just me? Or one, am I so fucking proud of all the people in my life going to therapy? Yes, fucking snaps all the way. Yes, yes, yes. And is therapy such a fucking privilege to do? Um, So first part of this one, I just want to applaud all my fucking friends who have gotten themselves into therapy over the past year or two. I am a therapy evangelist, as you guys know. It is the best thing you can do. You are taking action to change something and to better yourself. And you're also taking accountability because it is on us to break fucking cycles of the generations before us that have put trauma onto us, thinking it's good to live one way or another. No, we are unpacking that, dissecting that, and changing ourselves for the better. And then the second part is we need to make therapy more affordable. I think talking through text is just not enough. Seeing a real therapist for 45 minutes an hour every week is incredibly important. And right now it costs anywhere between 70, I don't know, $50 and $400 a fucking session. Most insurances do not work with therapy offices. And so people who desperately need it are not getting the help they need. And it actually took me three or four different fucking promotions in order to be able to afford therapy that I desperately needed over the years. So yes, props to my friends. And also we have to change so much about the healthcare system to to make this accessible for everyone else. Ooh, say it louder for the Ooh. people in the back. Of I wish the I had room. a megaphone. Oh my god! Yeah, no, you took that megaphone. This was your megaphone. This is that it. was that was amazing. <laughs> and yes, absolutely. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot. How warped it is that you have to 
climb the ladder and get to a position where you can afford the therapy for the position that is giving you the stress that is making you need therapy it's it's an it's a vicious cycle terrible feedback loop that we need to break and yeah everybody should have access to the ability to speak about their feelings and open up and just work through their shit and it sucks that we don't because the world is a crazy fucking place. So get to it, world. Figure it out. (laughs) Fix it. Fix it. (laughs) Anyone listening, please help. Help. Yeah. All right. That that was our spiel. That was it, guys. We are so excited to share this episode with you. So thanks for listening. (laughs) We love you, as always. You won't break our hearts. (laughs) I'm a jerk. Okay. As usual, we're leaving. Goodbye. (laughs) 